When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, Tim Wright here, along with Dr. Michael Green. want to welcome you to the Wonder of Parenting podcast, the brain science approach to parenting. Uh, Michael, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Welcome to you too. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we are going to tackle a topic that we've talked about before, but it's one of those topics that I don't think you can talk about enough because so many parents are dealing with it. And in this particular case, it's a mom with a little boy, three years old, with ADHD. And how do you handle that? And uh, so we're going to talk about that. But first, want to give a shout out uh, to both of our sponsors who are making this podcast possible. Uh, we've got the Center, a place of hope. They've been our longtime sponsor with 37 years of leadership in mental health and behavioral health. The Center, a place of hope is a top 10 facility for depression treatment. Their caring staff provide professional excellence and treatment for depression, anxiety, eating disorders, trauma, addiction, abusive relationships, and more. Uh, you can find more about them on wonderofparenting.com. And then Man Cave. Men all need to be caring, actively engaged, vested, and encouraged. And their mission is to improve the well-being of children by increasing the number of children growing up with engaged, committed, and responsible fathers or male, or male role models. And uh, again, you can find out more about them on wonderofparenting.com. So thanks, as always, to the Center of Place of Hope and to Man Cave. So, Michael, we have a question, and it comes from a teacher, a preschool teacher, but it's not with one of her students, it's with her own son. And so here's the question. I am a preschool teacher looking for help with my ADHD three-year-old. He doesn't like to do any of his classwork. He tends to mope and refuses time out. I myself have ADHD and know what he is going through. I just don't know what to do with him. I am currently reading the minds of boys and it is helping, but I was wondering if you had any more advice. Thank you. So as I said, Michael, we have tackled this subject uh, before, um, but I don't know that we've talked about it with somebody quite this young before. So it's, it puts an interesting twist onto it. And uh, let's get your initial thought as you read this question. Yeah, yeah, it's um, I, because he's three. You know, my my initial thought was maybe just stop doing classwork, mm. and um, because he's three, and I know I know we're going to use the show to talk about ADD and ADHD throughout throughout the age groups. Um, but to start with the three year old. It's it is very early to get a diagnosis. So right. what I'm thinking is, and, and I think most people wouldn't diagnose it yet um, at three. Some would, but most would not. Pediatricians, you know, or um, or psychologists. So so I'm kind of thinking, what about changing the environment and not, you know, making the his environment to be all about play and about socialization? Uh, so relationality, right, and then play. Uh, and and stop cognitive tasks. Uh, uh, don't force reading. Don't you know? Just stop 
cognitive development tasks unless they're spontaneous and organic to, you know, what's happening. Like if mom is doing something, uh, uh, then the boy kind of shadows her as long as mm-hmm. he's interested. And then he goes and he does something else, but not to be forcing the tasks on him because I, uh, so that's my, my first thought about it. My second thought is that. Can, can I, can I jump in yeah, on your first thought? Cause there's yeah. so much to unpack there. He's three years old. You're right about a lot of people aren't going to make, di- make a diagnosis. This mom has it. So, so maybe she's seeing some things in her son that's like her, but is it possible to sometimes just confuse being a boy at that age with ADHD? Uh, y- yes, definitely. It's definitely possible. It's, it, it is happening all the time. Um, the boy is what we would you know, say is a normal boy or a typical boy, but because he moves around so much because he, he doesn't, you know, doesn't multitask as well or jumps between tasks, uh, you know, because of all the things that, of course, we've talked about so many times on this right. show, he at, at three, he looks like there's something wrong with him and and uh, and there may not be. And he especially mm. looks like that uh, when he's in an environment doing certain tasks like schooling, um, right. which, you know, she says any of his classwork. So um, he can especially look like he's ADHD. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you, you raise a really, really good point. It's very important. And I, I was thinking about that same thing you were thinking about the mom having had it. And so maybe that was my second thought was maybe she's projecting, um, onto him, which would be normal to do. And he may, it may end up when he's six or seven or eight, that he does get that diagnosis. But I do think it's possible that, that she is, that she is not, or the preschool is not setting up the right environment for him just as a boy. Well, uh, we've talked about this many times, but for for listeners who maybe are joining us for the first time, um, we've talked before about the development of a boy brain versus the development of a girl's brain when it comes to these cognitive tasks like reading and so on. And um, generally, it's what? Boys tend to be behind a year, year and a half. Year to year and a half, yeah. So imagine a three-year-old boy, he's not reading at the same level if 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 reading is his coursework here. It's really early for him to start reading. Um, yeah, just he's not generally reading. speaking, I would guess he's yeah. not reading yeah. or any classwork. Can, uh, you know, depending on what it is. So, give us just a, a little bit. Uh, this is a little bit of a sidetrack, but I think it's important in the conversation. What is Gurian's take on classroom work for preschool boys? Um. Well, I I'm. Uh, well, okay. Preschool is three and four year olds, and for. Mm-hmm. I, for most three and four year olds, I don't think much, um, is, is absolutely necessary if it's impeding socialization development, relational development and play, uh, you know, those are, I think the most important thing for the three-year-old and, and moving toward the four-year-old as well. Those are the most important things. So, so an environment like like the Head Start environments that we we worked with, you know, in Phoenix, right? Um, mm-hmm. As you know, for three years, we've done a lot of work with those Head Start. Okay, so they do have a whole bunch of tasking set up during their day, right? And and they're making sure there's play and they're making mm-hmm. sure that a lot of the tasking is, is creating socialization and relationality um, because they know uh, or many of them know that you don't have to have a three-year-old accomplish a specific cognitive task um, 
you know, right now, like that is not necessary for a three-year-old. So, so it's important for people in preschool environments or choosing preschools for their kids to make sure that those are not preschool, especially if they have a boy like this, you know, who is pretty antsy, let's say, maybe it maybe is hyper, mm-hmm. et cetera, you know, and or is normal boy who just is moving around a lot, right? Rough and tumble, that they don't pick a place where it's emphasizing the cognitive uh, overplay um, and over relationality. Great. That's kind of what you're getting at, right? Yes. Right. Good. Good. All right. So your second point you started talking about was may she might maybe projecting. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, she's, you know, right. she's clearly a wonderful mom and just loves this boy and, and they have a, a great relationship. So I, I don't know, but it, it is possible for us, you know, I who struggle with depression, I project depression, you know, onto my kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so normal for us as parents to project somewhat. And so she, this boy may, again, may well have it. What she may be doing is projecting it as being really, really bad. Mm-hmm. Um because she struggled with it and and it may not be like at three like we said he may he may it's early for a diagnosis and if she stops him if she says for the next six months we're not going to do this classwork you know or for the next two months that six months is too long but for the next two months we're going to try only play in socialization relationality and if we do a task it's going to be something like drawing or something you know building blocks or stuff that that he kinesthetically already is going to want to do and and that's it and then try it for a month or two months and see uh and so then i think it's possible that some of this tension goes away excellent all right this episode is brought to you by shopify whether you're selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage no matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Other general observations before we sort of dive into some bigger topics. Later later years, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I think, I, think, I think we've covered it. I'm just thinking Great. for three. I think we've covered it. Can you can you give us sort of a, a, a working definition of the difference between ADHD and ADD or what oh, right. all these t- things mean? Yeah, so ADD is attention deficit. So it's like I'm attending to a task and, oh, I'm not attending to that task anymore. <laughs> oh, I'm over here on yeah. this other task. Oh, I'm over here on this other task. So that's attention deficit. And then the H is hyperactive. So um, – mm. And, and that's actually what I had when I went to it, when I was sent to a psychiatrist at 10, I had what was then called hyperactivity, right? Mm-hmm. We didn't have much ADHD yet. It was just hyperactivity. And I was, I was really hyperactive. And um, <clears throat> so that's where, you know, you just, you can't sit still, you're moving all the time. Um, that's hyperactive. You are hyperactive. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people who have ADD don't have the hyperactive. They can sit still or whatever, but it's just their attention 
keeps moving and they don't complete a task. Mm -hmm. So that's the difference. Right, right. Um, There's that wonderful uh, Disney movie called Up where the dog is always squirrel, squirrel. Squirrel. And and, uh, so I I hear a lot of like my grandkids, squirrel, because right away they know their attention has gone somewhere else uh, and uh, they have a hard time concentrating. Um, And I want to come back to this uh, topic of uh, boys and ADD and ADHD for just a moment, uh, because you've talked about how a lot of boys are being misdiagnosed with that. Uh, because we have certain expectations that boys act more like girls and they don't often do that. Um, at what age do you, as a practitioner, say, okay, now's the time when you probably should get your child evaluated? Um, yeah. Well, I, I think parents, you know, follow their guts. Of course, they mm-hmm. should always follow their instincts. And if they, if they're like, well, I want to see someone about this, a uh, psychologist, see a psychologist or a psychiatrist, you know, a pediatrician really isn't qualified actually to make the diagnosis of ADD or ADHD unless they have a specialty in it. Um, uh, so you really want to see a specialist and I, I, they should follow their guts if they want to take a three-year-old or a specialist for enough. But I, I wouldn't, you know, I would, I would use these other interventions of changing the tasking and that sort of thing. Uh, and then see by five or six, is this really serious? Like, mm-hmm. is it is it impeding the child's ability to develop? And if so, then okay. Then you know, if you're six years old, the the boy is or the child is six years old. I think that you know that's a good age. It's just hard earlier than that to um, to really get a good diagnosis, except for in some extreme cases they exist mm-hmm. and they they are good diagnoses. But except in extreme cases, a four year old you know, probably not yet. Five-year-old, probably not yet. Maybe here the parents follow their guts. But by six, I think we all can have some agreement and say, okay, Mm -hmm. you know, we can do some neuropsych batteries. Part of the difficulty is that the neuropsych batteries that, that people would do, and I'm not a specialist in it, but that others would do, those neuropsych batteries do require a certain amount of of, you know, question and answer, right? That the kids need to be able to answer some questions. They need to be sort of developed enough to to be able to participate in those and a three and a four-year-old really can't mm-hmm. there was a statistic out some years ago that 85 percent of all drugs that treat these kinds of conditions uh were prescribed to boys in the united states of america right that, so yes. that's telling us that there's a challenge trying to discern between what is normal boy behavior and things like ADD and ADHD. Yeah. Yeah. And in the book of mine that she's reading, The Minds of Boys, I do go through this and you've brought up in a crucial point and she'll find a lot of support in that book because it, it basically says kind of what I'm saying here, which is, okay, remember that most of the rest of the world educates their little kids differently than we do. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're, let's take Europe, which would be most comparable to us. They're not forcing, you know, reading activity on kids. They're, the kids are being read too. Right. I mean, that everyone's doing that. That's the best. That's great from day one. Read to your kids. But the kids are not being, you know, taught and the parents are not being taught that if you don't read by four, there's something wrong with you. Because most of the rest of the world kind of gets better than we do the developmental tempo of, of human brains and especially of male brains. Uh, male brains 
are behind female brains in their developmental tempo in most things, not generally in gross motor. That's an area where males and in spatials, males have some advantages and they can, their brain development can happen quicker than females. But in the stuff that would have to do with school, most of which is going to be word oriented, you know, um, yeah, females are behind, uh, males are behind females by about a year and a half. So, mm-hmm. so places like Finland, you know, they're not really requiring reading until between six and seven, because they know that by then, you know, pretty much all brains can do it. Um, so what we do in the U.S., where we've set up a school system uh, in some ways wrongly, um, in some ways rightly, but in some ways wrongly, especially around male-female brain difference, uh, we're trying to force this uh, and and the developmental tempo isn't there. So then we need a diagnosis, right? Mm-hmm. We we mm-hmm. The classroom is set up this way and look, this four-year-old is not, reading or this four-year-old is moving around too much and not sitting still or whatever it is and we need a diagnosis and so people go out and get diagnoses and this Mm. is the part of you know this is the difficulty of add and adhd that that we are producing more add and adhd children now than we did 30 years ago and at the same time we're misdiagnosing more now than we ever did mm. before. Mm. And both both concepts are happening at once. Both things are happening at once. For all sorts of neural neurobiological reasons and genetic reasons, you know, and endocrine disruptors and all things that we have talked about before, that sperm and egg, when they get together, you know, they're they are producing more of these brain disorders. So so we shouldn't be surprised to have more diagnoses. But but these early diagnoses you know, a lot of these are not correct and they, mm. they are in the misdiagnosis category because we just don't understand developmental tempo. Right. And it would be important to say that in places like Finland, what they're discovering is that even boy, though boys start out behind, generally speaking and reading, they do get caught up. Oh, absolutely. If we yep. teach the brain when the brain is ready, the yeah. brain just does it, you know, right away. So, right. Uh, and so, yeah. And, and now, of course, worldwide, there's never going to be parity between boys and girls in, in just in word production or mm-hmm. word use. Females are always going to dominate uh, the overall word production statistics. Now, you can have some males like like me. I talk a lot and mm-hmm. I, I have a lot of word production, but, you know, and I write a lot of books, right? So I'm going to be the exception that proves the rule. But, um, you know, the rule is in four out of five cases, you're going to find males uh, and females with a with a gap. And mm-hmm. females are going to have more word production in most cases. That means reading, writing, and speaking. So, so now we look at the reading, writing part. Okay, so females worldwide are going to always tend to test better in literacy, in reading and writing as large groups, as large cohorts. And that's because of the brain differences, because so mm-hmm. much of the female brain is used for word activity and so much less of the male brain is used for word activity. But in terms of basic skills and even advanced skills, if we do wait until six or seven, uh, yeah, the the boys and the girls catch up. Uh, so they they are on par. They can, you know, they can all go to college. They can all, et cetera. They are on par, but always knowing that we shouldn't expect males throughout the lifespan to produce as many words and to rely on words as much. And we need to say that at the same time as we said everything else, because if we don't say that, then what we end up saying is, okay, at six, you know, 
the males and the females are now at, on par for reading. And so therefore they should all use the same amount of words in life. Right. And no, they, they probably will not. Males will not tend to use as many words at any time in their lifespan, uh, especially for emotions and memories uh, and for retrieval as mm-hmm. females. Right. So again, we have to say both things at once. Right. And we could also say something similar about the expectation to sit quietly uh, for long periods of time without any movement, that that is not as friendly, obviously, to people with ADHD, but it's, but it's not very friendly to boys to just sit quietly in a classroom for for minutes and minutes on end. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, this then takes us into the lo- the later grades, you know, where right. where where the kid was doing fine in school, let's say a boy was doing fine in school somewhere and then he goes to another school and and now in this school uh within a few months he's got a diagnosis because he's not functioning well in, in that system and 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 again he may need the diagnosis of course, but it may also be that when we go and observe that classroom of fourth graders that in that classroom the teacher has not been trained in any of this and doesn't realize that that the male cerebellum needs to be active for the male to learn. That's the doing center. And, and that the female midbrain is better connected to the focus attention part of the brain and, and moves that more quickly up to the frontal lobe, which is, which is most of what a nine-year-old classroom is trying to teach to actually is the frontal lobe. So, so they don't understand that. So they're, they are not a good environment for these boys and we need to train them and say, okay, no, no, we got to look at these brain scans. If you change your environment, if you teach differently and allow all this movement and squeeze balls and spatials and, and all this stuff, you know, uh, and in fact, exploit it, leverage it, you're going to find that you don't need as many of these diagnoses for ADD and ADHD. And that, so then, you know, then that classroom, we're not getting the misdiagnoses. Now it's just the one or two guys who really do need the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you move into, you know, 12 year olds, the same thing applies. Now we're in a seventh grade classroom. If those teachers don't know, and those parents don't know about this, they are going to judge the boy as, you know, I've said this many times as an, as a defective girl mm-hmm. and, and they're going to look for a diagnosis and he may have ADD or ADHD, but it may be, we need to change the way that we're educating him for a month or two and see and some things are taken care of by that environmental change. But if but if we don't understand that, then we just stick with the classroom we have now. And that creates so much tension between the school and the parents, right? And then the right. school and the boy. And of course, that's what we're fighting to try to remove that. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. 
Shop now at hannahanderson.com. So let's talk about the family that discovers that their child has ADD or ADHD. What are some things that they can do in terms of changing environment, uh, diet, uh, what kind of school should they be looking for, medications? Just kind of give us a sense of how you begin to handle and help our kids uh, navigate through that. Okay, so a few things would be, well, the first thing is, of course, rely on the professional who's done the diagnosis to help you create a plan. And don't leave that office, (laughs) you know, don't leave that person's office before you have a plan. Um, because that is the, that is the professional who has met your child, done neuropsych batteries with you and your child, and, and can help develop the plan. So I think some of the things in the plan are, for instance, going to be, okay, we need to get rid of a lot of the screen time because the screen is moving things too quickly. And mm-hmm. we don't want that constant stimulation. So we don't want the overstim or the hyperstim. We, so we're going to really create a plan for screen time. And that's going to include everything. Let's say we're now talking about a uh, an 11 year old. That's going to create a plan for video games. So probably not going to be doing video games on school nights. You know, basic good hygiene for media use. Uh, uh, so all of that, which we've done podcasts on, that whole category. The second category I would have people look at is food and what the child is taking in. Um, you know, is is that child allergic to gluten uh, or has a gluten intolerance? So uh, could be lactose could be dairy, whatever it is. So we now know that a number of, of foods and environmental pollutants for that child are, are triggering and, you know, exacerbating the symptoms. So look at that, create a plan for the right food. And if you need to go to an allergist, um, or a naturopath, someone who can help test to see what the allergies and intolerances are. Then the third thing is going to be in expectations, you know, your the expectations of the how this boy or, or girl is going to do the tasking, uh, we're going to alter those expectations. So we're going to give it an hour instead of a half hour to do that task, knowing that we may have to keep bringing the kid back, you know, mm-hmm. like he's wandered off. Okay, okay, come back. So the expectations um, get altered and we fulfill the plan within these new correct expectations. And sometimes that means the child is taken out of the school the child is in. You know, especially if that school has had no training in in male brain or in any of this, mm-hmm. then then it's possible parents take the child out. And this is one of the reasons a lot of people homeschool, you know, is, is because mm-hmm. of this very thing we're discussing. And um, so that's that's a possibility. What about medications? Where, where are you oh. on? Uh, what are your recommendations for that? Yeah, my recommendations are. Um, and these are going to be general, um, that we don't put a child on meds from a 10-minute pediatrician visit okay. or a 10-minute NP or PA visit, you know, that if we're putting the child on meds, the child is going on the meds that have been um, suggested by the professional who has done the neuropsych batteries, um, right, so has, who has given the correct, a correct diagnosis uh, by doing the testing. And then says, okay, uh, this child needs meds. And then my second suggestion is if if you can, and, and pretty much everyone can, have, ask that professional to do a gene test so that mm-hmm. you can know, and I have more about this in Saving Our Son, so that you can know what is the right med for my genetic structure. 
Mm. And this is not 100% accurate. It requires interpretation and so on. But there are a number of companies like Alpha Genomics is one um, where, uh, where, you know, you send the spit out and they can go in and create your genetic structure and you get a grid for it. And so this 11-year-old, you can get a grid for that. And then you go, okay. Then the professional looks at the meds and the grid will say, this genetic structure, these sorts of meds should work better than these sorts of meds. Mm. So that at least gives you, you know, you and the professional, you know, you're probably not going to give this kid meds that it says right here are not going to fit well with his genetic structure, you know? And so again, that's, it's not hundred percent, but it's a great tool to add to the toolbox. So that way you're, you're getting the meds that this professional says your child needs and their meds that might fit the genetic structure of the child. Do you have a recommendation in terms of age that you it's okay to start thinking about medication in ages that you shouldn't, or is it really case by case? Well, if, you know, if we take a six-year-old in and does the neuropsychiatrist and gets the diagnosis, then we've got to be ready that probably Mm -hmm. meds are going to be um, suggested. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of what we as parents need to think about. And, and we should, everyone should research um, AD, ADHD medication and are there side effects? There's a lot of debate about this, right? Right. And where I, where I sit on it is that it is that meds are really valuable and that a lot Mm -hmm. of people, a lot of these kids need meds. Uh, and I was on Ritalin when I was a boy in 1968 and, and it helped me. So, I mean, and then it was a, it was a primitive drug at that point, Mm -hmm. you know, in 1968. So, so meds are good. Meds are needed. Uh, and, and meds can have side effects. Uh, and we need to really know that as we give these meds to our children. And so we're going to weigh, uh, okay. Side effects are potential. They may not occur. Potential actual is my six-year-old is just having terrible trouble and meds can help. And so we're going to weigh that. And, um, would I love to not see six-year-olds on meds? Yes. I would love to see no six-year-olds on meds. I would love Mm -hmm. to see it wait, you know, let's keep meds out of these bodies as long and, and, uh, systems and cells as long as we can. But, uh, if they're needed, they're needed and we Mm -hmm. shouldn't, you know, be afraid to use them. Uh, last question, because there's so many things we could talk about, but when it comes to meds, uh, I know that, uh, for example, with, for some people with depression, they can be on a med for a year and then they can get off and they're going to be okay. Other people are on a med for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, are are there some kids who are on a med for a while with something like ADHD and it actually does in the brain what it needs to do and they can go off it? Or is that just something you live with the rest of your life? Well, it's a both and. Uh, it's a both and. That's going to mm-hmm. depend on the individual. Um, uh, they Some are going to get kind of a reset. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and by the way, what it depends on to a great extent is the that, that genetic structure. So yeah. the gene expression of the child. So to take AD, we'll do both depression and ADHD. So we take ADHD. Um, uh, if that is a significant presence on the genetic structure of this child, uh, you know, then that child may be on meds for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. If if it's there and it's gotten triggered, but it's not as significant, 
or it doesn't get as constantly triggered as that other genetic structure, then then a reset, you know, a six month reset or a one year reset using meds could work. So that is going to depend on the child. And then, of course, we have to remember that that the genes are interacting with an environment. So if, yeah. right, every biological organism interacts with this environment. So if we, uh, so we can give the child the meds, but if the environment hasn't adjusted, you know, or if the child's life inside that environment hasn't adjusted, you know, that child will keep getting basically re-triggered. Like the child is taking meds for ADHD, and going to school in a classroom where he's supposed to be sitting for 40 yeah. minutes. Well, okay, he's going to constantly get triggered. So he's going right. to constantly be on meds, you know. So it really, we're looking at, at, at these Venn diagrams that are intersecting in the middle. And, um, uh, and we have to look at each of those elements. Well, Michael, it's good stuff as always. And uh, thank you for that. And for those of you who have not yet uh, joined our Facebook page. You just go to Facebook. You do a little search of Wonder Parenting. Hit the join link, and once I get the notification, we let you in. And there's a lot of good wisdom on there that parents are sharing with each other. It's a place you can ask questions as well, and we grab some of your questions once in a while uh, for our podcast. So, Michael, again, thank you so much for today. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Let your friends know about the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. We'll be back with you again next week. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.